that are longer than this one. And I bet you can name one. <laughs> I hope you can name one, all right? 119 uh, is the longest psalm in the Bible, longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses in it. And, uh, and we probably will not just spend one week on that psalm, okay? I'm just warning you now, uh, it is a phenomenal psalm. Uh, but uh, the other psalms that are longer than this is Psalm 78 and Psalm 89. And uh, I went through and just looking through just to see which ones. I thought, boy, this is fairly long. And uh, I thought, I wonder, you know, most of the psalms are known to be shorter psalm. And so I, I thought, well, I wonder if there's any that are the same size as this. And, uh, and I, so I paged through and that's what I found. So it is the fourth largest psalm in the Bible. There you go. There's your uh, trivia. If you're ever on Jeopardy and they want to know the fourth largest, uh, now you know. And, uh, and if you jotted those other numbers down and they want the second largest, you got a one in four chance, uh, then, then you can get the right one. All right. Um, but as we look at this psalm, it is a psalm of victory. Uh, it's really a, a very encouraging psalm as we read it. Uh, we'll not read all of it, obviously, for sake of time, but let's take our text there in verse number one. Matter of fact, notice in your Bible as well that the title of the psalm, uh, you may or may not have those titles in there. Mine does. And, uh, and I checked two other of my Bibles, and they, they both, they're, they're both had psalms in them. By the way, they're King James Bibles, all the Bibles I checked. Uh, I did, I, not like I checked other Bibles. I checked the Thompson Chain and the Schofield and my local Bible church publishers, all right, and so, but they're all King James, all right, so just to clarify that, but uh, uh, the Bible does say here in, in Psalm 18, the title reads this, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, and he said... And so really, this is a victor, it's a psalm of victory. It is a psalm of praise the Lord, all the enemies have been subdued, and, uh, and David is now in a good place that God has protected him. And this is what he said. He said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Boy, what a great verse number three there uh, that you can underline, memorize, and take with you. Uh, what a great psalm. Let's stop there and let's have a word of prayer before we get any further into this psalm. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that this psalm would be an encouragement to each and every believer, Father, that is here tonight and those who have tuned in online. God, I pray that you would bless. I pray that you would speak to hearts. Father, I pray that this psalm would be a blessing and a help to each and every one of us. And God, that we could apply it to our lives. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And Jesus precious name I pray. Amen. 
In this psalm, there are some prophetic references uh, to Jesus Christ, and uh, I, I will not take time to point all of them out, obviously, and uh, I might point out one or two here or there, but I really want to look at this psalm uh, from the idea of David's perspective and how God had given him a great victory in his life. And I simply entitled the message, Victory, uh, and there's six things that I want us to notice throughout this psalm uh, that I pray and hope will be a blessing to you in your life. The first thing that I want you to notice in this psalm in the first three verses that we looked at is the value of God to David. Uh, David valued God tremendously in his life. Uh, you read those verses. He says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. I want to focus on number two. Look at what he says, his description that he gives of God. He says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will, I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. You look at all of those uh, possessive pronouns that are used in that description, and he is very much so claiming, hey, that this is my God. Uh, and it's a very personal thing for him. Uh, he's not claiming, well, that's your God and that's what, you, what, he, what he has done for you. But rather, uh, this is what God has done and been for me in my life. It's a very personal uh, thing that he's using all of these descriptive words. Let's go through them. We're not going to spend a lot of time on them. I have six points and I usually only have three. So we're, we're not going to park anywhere tonight. But... Uh, but look at what it says, he, a rock. Uh, I just briefly looked all of these up, what they, what they are, what they represent. A rock would represent the stability, the strength, and the unchanging, and the, de the, the dependable. In other words, hey, listen, God doesn't change. He is always there. He's always strong. He's never weak. Uh, and he's always able to help us. And so uh, the rock, uh, and it's David's rock. He makes a personal claim to that. My fortress. Uh, I started thinking about a fortress. A fortress is a blessed hiding place and safety and rest. Uh, I know David knew something about that, having been on the run for his life several times. And uh, as we wandered throughout Israel and, and looked at the En Gedi, there were caves everywhere. It amazed me, to be honest with you. I've never seen so many mountainous areas with caves in my entire life. And, and you could see how, man, you'd get up and you'd go in one of those. And man, you get way back in there uh, that, that it would be a safe retreat for you. Uh, to be able to rest. And David is, is explaining uh, God as his fortress. In other words, a place that he can go and rest and know and trust, hey, God is going to take care of him. And praise the Lord for God being our fortress. Uh, he's a deliverer, someone who uh, comes to your rescue to save you when you're in a time of trouble and a time of hardship. Uh, somebody that would deliver you from hardship. Uh, God, boy, there's, there's really not much explanation there. The supreme one, the all-powerful God of the universe. And, uh, and David is claiming him as his God. Then strength, we know what that is, that is power. Uh, and, and as we look at all of these, buckler, uh, what is a buckler? I looked it up for you because I knew you didn't know. Uh, I didn't know. It's a shield 
or a piece of defensive armor. Isn't it good to know that God can be your defensive armor? And when your enemy comes to attack you and when those who oppose you and when those who are against you and those that would desire to see you fall, that God would, uh, would be your defensive armor and take care of you. And David is claiming, hey, God is my buckler. Uh, the horn of my salvation. Uh, I looked that phrase up because I thought, what is the horn of my salvation? What does that mean? And what are, where's that phrase? That phrase is only used three times in the Bible. It's used right here in Psalm 18 and verse number 2. It's used in 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse number 3. And then it's also used in Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 69. It is a direct reference to Jesus Christ. And it says this in Luke 1, 69 and 70. And hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. And it's a reference to Jesus Christ coming into the world. And listen, it's the salvation, uh, obviously, that Jesus would give us. And it's that salvation that David would look to that, hey, there is a Savior that is coming. And he looked forward to that and he trusted in that. The horn of his salvation, his high tower, uh, a tower is a place, again, it's kind of like a fortress, a place of refuge that you can go and you can rest in that place and you can trust, hey, I'm safe, I'm well guarded, I'm well protected above anything else. Listen, you get the idea that David, with all these descriptive words, fully trusted and rested in God. Boy, what a blessing to know. David valued God. Uh, and look at the description of him. How do you get to that place where you value God like that? He developed an admiration for him. And if somebody were to come along, and, and this is, I know that this is not the, the, the greatest of illustrations. And, and when, you're, when you're trying to illustrate something from God, it's, it's, sometimes it's tough because God is way up here and we are way down here. But, but if somebody came along and they, they physically saved your life from harm. And, and then they came on. You would, you would certainly appreciate that. Uh, I've been in an accident or two and had, uh, you know, the, the uh, ambulance show up. And the people in my life was not in jeopardy. Praise the Lord for that. But you know what? I was grateful that they showed up and, and that they took care of me when I was in need. And listen, if you've ever been in a situation like that and somebody comes to your rescue and comes to your aid, you are very grateful for that person that they're there and how much more if your life was on the line. And what I'm saying is David was in that position time and time again. You read in the title how he was delivered of all his enemies, how he was delivered at the hand of Saul as the king would pursue him. And his life on multiple occasions was put on the line physically. And you know what he did? He trusted in God and God delivered him every time. I know I've mentioned this before. It goes all the way back to when he was a shepherd and when he watched over the sheep. And it started with a lion and it started with a bear and it started with uh, things that you might say, well, they're not really small. Uh, well, they're smaller than Goliath. Amen. <laughs> 
And, and, and it just continued to grow to where David, uh, his life being physically on the line, time and time again, grew to appreciate God as he watched God over and over and over take care of him and physically protect him from imminent harm. Listen, the more you grow in the Lord and the more that God takes care of you, boy, the more you grow to admire and, and appreciate what God has done to you, done for you. I don't know in your life, but man, I look over my life and I just thank God for what he's done for me. I thank God for the ways he's taken care of my family. I thank God for how he has provided and, and, and been with us through thick and thin. And, and, and David developed an admiration and he valued God. It shows in these first three verses. In verse three, he closes out this little section with, I will call upon the Lord. I love this phrase, who is worthy to be praised. Boy, what a great phrase. We've been going through the book of Revelation and Revelation 4 and, and 5 and, and boy, he is worthy to be praised. And uh, David, David recognized that here on this earth. And he said, listen, God is worthy to be praised. We have the value of God. I want you to notice this, the vulnerability of man. Look with me in verse number 4. We have the value of God and then we have the vulnerability of man. He says in verse number four, um, the sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. David was often in trouble. We know that. We've, looked, we've, we've read about his life. We've noticed in his life the struggles that he went through. And, and listen, there was just a lot of opportunities for David to die. And God, every time, took care of David and blessed him. And, uh, and, and I, I'm thinking about the, one of the prayer letters, Brother Lalonde said, uh, I didn't read it to you, but he said, he said I, I don't really like trouble. I don't go looking for trouble, but it often finds me. And David, I don't think he went looking for trouble, but boy, it often found him and it showed up. He wasn't looking for fights, but they often presented themselves. And David was uh, often placed in difficult hardships uh, in which God took care of him. And David discovered, I'm vulnerable as a person. And David's difficulty proved that over and over again. Look with me in verse number six. Verse number five is a prophetic reference to Jesus and his death and suffering. But look with me in verse number six. The Bible says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto God. He was, because of his vulnerability, he was driven to God. Listen, we ought to be driven to God because of our vulnerability. But listen, a lot of guys, a lot of people are driven to God when they're in that moment of vulnerability. But how much nicer to have an already established relationship, an already clean slate, that when, when things do go awry and when difficulties do present themselves, that God is just an arm reach away. And you say, man, God, help me. Save me. Wait a minute. I don't have to go back and say, 
my life's a disaster and I need to fix this and I need to fix this and, and God, I'm sorry for this. And, and No, if you have a, a clean slate with God and you're walking with God and it's easy to cry out to him. And, and I have a feeling that that's kind of how David's life was. But he was driven uh, to God during those distresses. And listen, we ought to be driven to God in our distresses. Sometimes some people go through hardships and, uh, and they tend to blame God for everything. Listen, it's not God's fault. Uh, and we tend to blame God. And sometimes God does test us uh, so that why? So that we can grow. You ever, when you have children and you're raising children, sometimes there's some things that they have to do that they don't like. It's not enjoyable. And as a parent, you're like, no, you have to do this. And, 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 the child's like, why do I have to do this? I don't have to explain all that to you. You have to do this. And at the end, you know, maybe not at the very end, maybe, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a couple months, maybe a couple years down the road, they're looking back and saying, man, I'm glad my parents made me do that. It was hard. It was difficult. I did not enjoy it. But I'm glad in the end that I went through that. Why? Because I grew. And sometimes God has to put us through some of those things. But listen, our difficulties and our vulnerabilities ought to drive us to God. That's verses 4 through 6. Verses 7 through 15 are some exciting verses. And, uh, and we just simply cannot read them all uh, for sake of time. But look with me there in verse number 7. I do want you to notice this. The Bible says... Well, we'll go to back to verse number six. In my distress, this is David being driven to God. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even un into his ears. Look at verse seven. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. Boy, you think about the power of God. Verses 7 all the way down through 15, they really describe the vitality of God. Listen, we do not serve a dead God. We serve a God who is living. Not only do we serve a God who is living, we serve a God who is concerned about you and I and our life. Sometimes I'm amazed. Um, I, I've, I've been at camps before and, and, and worked with young people. And, and, uh, and sometimes an innocent young person will come to me and say, uh, say, listen, will you pray for my dog? He's sick. I mean, I think and I, I want to laugh. Then I think, you know what? If that dog is important to that little kid, then it's probably important to God. And God is just as concerned about what we are concerned about and what affects our life. And I might look at it and say, man, that's like really not that important. I would never say that to that kid. But then what about some of the things in our life? And other people might like, that's really not that important. But if it's important to us, God's, God's seeing it as something that is important. When your children come to you and there's something that is important to them, it may not be real important to you, but you'll probably help them. You'll probably be concerned. You'll probably walk through those things with them to help them out because it's important to them. And listen, we serve a very real and alive God who is concerned with 
us. I love this passage because it says there, uh, we see the dominance of God and his strength. The Bible says the earth shook and trembled. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to be in an earthquake, um, but man, it is incredibly amazing when the entire earth starts to shake underneath of you. I've never been in a full-blown earthquake, uh, but I have been in, in, in tremors that, that were leading up to it. We're in, and, and some of that stuff, man, it gets embedded in your mind. You'll never forget it. And, uh, and my wife and I were sitting in an office, I don't know, two stories up in a, in a building in Peru, and, uh, in Atiquipa, they, they had earthquakes. It was pretty uh, common. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, man, it sounded like a big old truck was passing by, except for it sounded like it was three stories up. And, uh, and everyone, like, in unison, except for my wife and I, because we had no idea what was going on, got up. And like they all took like two steps towards the door, like they were all leaving and we were still trying to figure out what is going on. And, and, by, and, then, it, and then it all stopped. I mean, just as quick as it started, it stopped. And everyone kind of, they took the step back and they sat back down, but they were kind of on edge. And my wife and I were like, I think that was a, t- a tembler, a, 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 an earthquake. It wasn't a full-blown earthquake. I forget, a tremor. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, a tremor that, that just took place. And, and it was really quite an amazing thing because the entire earth moves. And David is describing, hey, listen, only the power of God can rock the entire world. And, and David is describing his God, his high tower, his buckler, his strength, his God, as somebody that would shake the whole earth. Look at the decrees that he gives. He gives a whole description there that we just do not have time to go through. But look in verse number eight, and we'll see the decrees of judgment. He says there in verse number eight, there went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made dark Darkness, his secret place, his pavilion round about him, where dark waters and thick clouds of the sky, at the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed, hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals. Of fire. What he's describing there, uh, specifically in verse 13 and 14, is the decrees of judgment that go out from God uh, against the enemies of David. And listen, uh, what a description that David gives. I mean, I, I love those verses. It's, it's quite descript, and you don't even need any commentary on top of it, because David really described the judgment of God going forth. And we've looked at it before, and I've said this, uh, that listen, God's, God's judgment is always just. And listen, God's merciful. You look at, you, you, we could go back, we don't have time, but you go back to Saul's life, and you look how long God let Saul go. He could have, man, after the first time, he could have said, that's it, you're done, you're out, put David in. 
No, he let him go. And, and, and I believe God was very merciful and gave, day, or gave Saul uh, opportunity to repent, an opportunity to change, an opportunity to, to go after God. And he did not. And, and, and he just went his own way and did his own thing. And we find that eventually the judgment of God fell on Saul and his whole house. And, and he was out of the kingdom and he was no longer the king. And we find that David uh, and his throne was established, but God set forth a decree of judgment that was just. And I'm just saying that, hey, God is alive and is well. Sometimes we look at the things, sometimes I look at the things that are going on in this world, and I say, man, why, why, why on earth is this stuff still going on? But listen, I'm not God, but God is not dead either. He's very aware, and he's very, uh, he's very merciful. Praise the Lord for his mercy. And, and listen, when he decides that's enough time, judgment will fall. And, and his judgment will be sure, and his judgment will be just, because he is a, a God who is alive. Look with me in verse number 16. We find the vulnerability of man, the vitality of God. But look in verse number 16, we find the victory. That he gives David. This is exciting. In verse number 16, look at what he says. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. Drew me out is the, uh, the thought there. And, and listen, uh, it's as though God is pulling David out of, uh, maybe out of a well is the idea that I got. When you say, draw me out of, of many waters, maybe it was a, an ocean, you know, that, that is, you're surrounded by water and there's no way out. And, and God reached down and drew David out. That's the idea that David was sinking and that there was no hope for him. But, but God drew him out. Listen, when you're in a place and you're stuck, listen, we can always call on to God. And he's there. And he'll listen to us. David uh, said that he, he sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. Look in verse number 17. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. He delivered him. He drew him out. We see the victory that David had in his life. And he describes that all the way down to verse number 19. And, uh, and David is certainly describing that. But I want you to see this. There's two things I really want us to see towards this end. Look in verse number 20. We see the virtue rewarded. Look in verse number 20. The Bible says, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness, cleanness, excuse me, of my hands, hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. We've looked at verses like this in the past, and this is not David proclaiming, hey, I am perfect, uh, but rather that he's saying, hey, I've followed God's word. And I'm striving to be right. And I'm striving to live for the Lord. Uh, the key verse there is verse number 22. He says, for all, the, for all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. In other words, hey, 
I took the Word of God and I tried to guide and live my life in accordance to the Word of God. I've often th- said this, I've often thought this. David, he had the first five books of the Bible. Maybe he had one or other book here or there. But what I'm saying is he didn't have the entire New Testament. He didn't have all the prophecy of Jeremiah, Isaiah, and, and all of those guys. He didn't have uh, all of those books. He, he, he clearly didn't have the book of Psalms. He was writing it. And so he didn't have all of those things. The book of Proverbs had not been written. And all he had uh, was the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what he loved. That's what it was that guided and directed his steps. That's what it was that he adhered to. And he said, hey, uh, he said in Psalm 119, 105, he said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Listen, the only thing uh, that's going to keep that that kept David straight is the word of God and the only thing that is going to keep you and I straight in 2022 and 2023 and 2024 going forward is the word of God we have to adhere to and follow the word of God. We find in this section, David has, has lifted up God. He's saying, listen, uh, that, that, uh, that God is very valued to me. I, I appreciate God. I'm a very vulnerable person. God is, is vital. He's alive. He's not a dead God. Then we see the, uh, the, the victory that David had. But he's saying this, listen, the victory didn't come because I was just wandering off doing what I wanted to do. The victory came because I was following God. There's a lot of Christians who want to have the idea that, well, I'm saved and therefore I can live my life any way that I want. And as soon as trouble comes, I'll call on God and God will reach down and get me out of whatever mess that I have got myself into. David's saying, no, that's not the way it worked. He's saying, I have guided my feet according to the word of God. I have loved the word of God. I have strived to uh, adhere to and live by the word of God. David was not saying that he was perfect, but he was saying, hey, I have strived to live in accordance to the word of God and to follow what God has said in my life. Look down in verse number 25. He, he explains all of this in these verses. Verse 25 and 26 sum it up fairly well. He says there in verse number 25, with the, with the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, thou wilt show thyself froward. And froward is somebody that's uh, not doing right or sinful or perverse. And, and so he's saying, hey, listen, if we live right... Hey, God's going to uh, treat us right. Um, and we're not talking about salvation. Are we under, we're, we're clear on that. We're not talking about being saved. We're not talking about cleaning up your life so that you can make it to heaven. That's not how that works. We're talking about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought of this illustration. If you had, uh, let's just say, for example, you had ten sons. And one of your sons didn't live right. They didn't, li- they didn't do the things that you liked. As a father, you would still love that son. You still would. 
But you may not be as prone to bless that son or to help that son or to give gifts to that son uh, so as not to encourage the wandering path that he has chosen in his life. And listen, that's God's relationship with us. Uh, to an extent, he's saying, hey, listen, I, I'm not there. There's a little more because uh, God has a little more reach than we do. But uh, but he's saying, hey, I'm not going to bless those who are not walking in accordance with his word. And uh, and again, I understand that uh, we're not going to be perfect. But listen, we ought, there's there's a there's a big difference between somebody that is running headlong towards sin and somebody that's saying, man, I'm trying to walk with God. I stumble and I fall. God, help me. I'm, I'm struggling with this and I'm trying to walk towards God and I stumble and I fall. Do you understand the two differences? And, and David is saying, hey, listen, we ought to be striving. We ought to be working. We ought to be trying to live for the Lord. The New Testament passage uh, principle is draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. James 4.8. And listen, as we draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to us and we see that virtue, that would be living right and, and attempting to do what is right and, and, and trying to please the Lord with our life, uh, that, that, listen, God will reward that. Look in verse number 29 down through 50. And we have, we've, we, I put down here, validate God's works. Verses 29 through 50 are all praise to God. It's a wonderful portion to read. Uh, and sadly, we don't have time to read it all. But look with me in verse number, uh, look with me in verse number 32. David says, it is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. Look at verse 35. Thou hast also given me the shield of my salvation and thy right hand hath holden me up and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. Jump down to 39. For thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Thou hast subdued unto under me, those that rose up against me. Look at verse number 40. Thou hast also given me the necks of mine enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. Look at verse number 43. Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people, and thou hast made me the head of the heathen. Uh, a people whom I have not known shall serve me. Uh, look at verse number 46. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me, and subdueth the people under me. David is praising God, and he is constantly exalting God. And he's saying, listen, it was God that delivered me from the battle. It was God that delivered me from Goliath. It was God that delivered me from the lion and from the bear and from Saul that pursued after me. And it was God that delivered me from the Philistines. And it was God that took care of me. And he's constantly in all of the victory saying, it was God. And he wasn't saying, look at me, I'm a great warrior. No, no, he was very humble. And he was saying, it is all about God. 
And God has blessed me. And God has kept my foot from slipping. And God has girded me up. And God has strengthened me. And God has subdued these people underneath of me. And it was God. And he declares God's praise. Uh, Listen, David praised God frequently, fervently, and factually in these verses. I mean, he goes on and on and exalts God. But I love this. Go back to verse 44 because he defines his successes as God's. Look at what he says there in verse 44 and 45. He says, as soon as they hear of me, he's talking about other people and and the people that are subdued and underneath of him. He said, as soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me and the strangers shall submit themselves unto me. The strangers shall fade away and be afraid out of their close places. He says in verse 46, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me, and subdueth the people under me. In verses 44 and 45, it looks like David saying, look at all these people as they bow before me and, and they're just subdued to me. But he's really quick in verses 46 to say, hey, God be exalted. And in verse 47, it's God that subdues these people. It's God that has put me in this place. And David is very quick to validate all of God's works and say, listen, it is God that has established me, strengthened me, placed me here, and allowed me to have this position. And in verses 29 all the way down through 50, David exalts and lifts up and glorifies God in a marvelous way. Boy, what a great chapter to go back and read. What a great uh, set of verses to go back. The next time you want to praise the Lord, man, you go to Psalm 18, 29 through 50, and you can just read them. And it, it just, it, it validates what God has done in David's life. Boy, we ought to be so careful. We, we are so tempted, everyone is, to be puffed up with pride. I mean, if we were in David's place, Saul was in David's place. And you know what happened to Saul? He got puffed up with pride. He decided, I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and look at me. All these people are following. Listen, he's not the only king. You go back through the, the, the whole thing of the kings. And there were many kings who got puffed up and, and became prideful and arrogant and thought, well, I no longer have to follow God. David is, is not a perfect man, but he's a great example of saying, hey, God, I want to be used of you. And God, if you'll use me, I'll exalt you. And he did time and time and time again. We have a whole book of Psalms dedicated to God. Now, not all of them are David's, but many of them are. And he exalted and glorified God with his life. What a great example for us. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for the victory that is ours in Christ. God, how much even more so to us that are saved, born again, and God, we have the promises of the New Testament over and over what David had. God, I pray that you would help us to walk humbly with you. And God, to recognize that It's not our strength. It's not our wisdom. 
God, we're but fail, we're but frail, vulnerable men. God, without you, we are nothing. We need your strength. We see in David's life how he 